Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. So I don't care what stage of your relationship with Jesus you're at. You need to be reminded of these things. Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a seasoned vet, right? I, I know, you know, no, no. The moment you get into this, I know this already. You need to go back to number one, what humility is. And no, you need to sit down and actually dig back into these quote unquote known truths. Good works go hand in hand with sound doctrine. None of us will ever reach perfection or a full understanding of the gospel in this life. It's a mystery that slowly reveals itself through scripture and the work of the Holy Spirit. But our hearts and minds are incapable of fully comprehending it in their current state. As Pastor James challenges us in today's message, this is why it's so important that we devote ourselves to studying the scripture, both on our own as well as with the church. There's always something new to learn and to draw us closer to our Savior. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Titus chapter 3 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Paul is phrasing this out for a specific way because he wants you to understand this. There is nothing you can do to earn your way into heaven. This, In fact, this whole little paragraph that we're going to go through, none of this is about you. And he doesn't, even, he doesn't even mention faith in here because he wants you to understand it's God's work. Salvation is God at work. It's not us working to get to heaven. So faith, you have to have faith in order to be saved. But within this paragraph, he wants to put all of the spotlight onto God. It says he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, right? The book of Isaiah tells us that all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Like you can't, there's no way, God's not going to be like, well, you know, you never received my, my, my son as your savior, but you did a lot of good stuff. So, yeah, I'll let you in, right? He's like, we bring to him, like, in that kind of mindset, we bring to him all these, quote-unquote, good things. And we're like, look, God, I don't really buy into that whole Jesus thing, but I got a bunch of good works that I'm going to present to you. Surely this is enough to get me in. And he looks at that as as like, that's like, that's filthy rags. Technically, if you want to get gross about it, in the book of Isaiah, it's menstrual rags, And we're like, look at what I got, God. And he's like, I don't want that. I don't want what you have. Like, that's not, we're not, we're not working on the same, within the same economy. Your, your good works, they're, they're like the American dollar. They got no backing. There's nothing supporting it. Like, it's just, it's just stuff. But it's, it's his righteousness. It's his imputed upon us or placed upon us. It's not because of righteous things we've done, but here's another one. Because of his mercy. Mercy is a good Christian word that you, we, you and I need to become very familiar with, mercy and grace. Mercy is uh, him sparing you what you deserve in one sense. Grace is getting what you don't deserve in abundance, 
Like the grace, that's an outpouring of God's graciousness to you is like him just blessing you with things that you just don't really deserve. Mercy is him holding back what you actually do deserve. So his grace and his mercy, which are, are new every morning, are, are beautiful things. And if you don't know what to pray for when you wake up in the morning, pray for those two things. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy within my life. That's one of the reasons why almost every prayer I pray, I start with that. Thank you for grace and mercy in my life. Thank you for the, the blessings that you have freely bestowed upon me. And thank you for holding back what I deserve. Because I, I, I don't even know what I deserve, <laughs> right? But I trust him. It says, it says, he washed away our sins. So again, it, all the focus is on him. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. You've been born again. You've been born again. You're made new, brand new, brand new. You're like, I still feel like the same old person. Yeah, because you're still in the same body, but your mind is renewed. Your heart has been not just like remodeled. It's been made new. The desires that once just used to consume you, once we once were like this, we were slaves to these things. You've been set free from those things. The, the greatest challenge, I think, in a, in a Christian's life is just coming to the realization of what you've actually, that you've actually been set free. And that like when that desire, that temptation comes up, you don't have to give into it. What I naturally would just never think about and just give into, now it's like there's a battle that takes place. And it's like, okay, that, that temptation's there. And for guys, look, it's going to be there, whatever it is, Right. Summertime's coming. There's going to be half-naked ladies all, all, all up and down our beach, right? And they block, the, they block the view of these beautiful waves as far as I'm concerned. You could all leave because you're blocking the best part about it, and it's waves, and it's the ocean, and it's... But we're all guys. We're all guys, and we are wired to be visual creatures. That's just part of it, right? So, but there's a difference now to where once it would have been like, all me and all my friends, I mean, we would have looked forward to, let's go to the beach. Why? For the waves? No, for the girls. For the girls, right? And then filling our hearts and our minds with just these images that create, that feed into fleshly desires and all that stuff. You know how it works. Forbidden swells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some unnatural swells too. Um, but you just got to be cautious of all of it. Just, we know the challenge, the temptation, it's, it's always going to be out there. It's always going to be out there, but it's how you handle it. It's how you handle it. Now as a new creation in Christ, he doesn't remove the, the temptations aren't removed. That's what I used to pray all the time when I got saved. From, with, like I gave my life to Jesus. I was like, okay, Lord, just take, take that. Like if you like created me as a visual creature, like just take that away. He's like, why would I do that? One day you'll have a wife. Don't you want to be physically attracted to your wife? Yeah? Then you need self-control. Then you need self-control. Because what you're asking for would actually be harmful to the lady that I bring into your life that you actually should be pursuing and admiring and thinking, she's hot. Right? So it's like, oh, Lord, just take this away. It's causing me, you know, some, he's like, no, what you need is self-control. What you need is self-control. Because how I made you is how I made you. And I made no mistake with that. So you just know self-control. Don't do, don't do the second looks over here, right? That's what Jesus talked about. He's like, 
Have you ever, you know, committed adultery? And guys are like, I've never committed adultery. He's like, have you ever, ever lusted after a lady? Have you done the, the look twice kind of a thing to get the extra look and all that? He's like, that's what I'm talking about. Stop doing that. So you see, you know, you got to learn to learn to like redirect your focus. Job says, he says, Lord, I, I pray that, you know, in one sense, I'm going to paraphrase this, like to, to guard my eyes that I may not look upon a young woman. Right. He's like, I don't ask that you remove all young women from this earth or attractive ladies from this earth. Help me to control my eyes. Help me to control my eyes because they're going to keep coming. And you go to the beach day. There's probably going to be ladies out there in swimsuits and all that stuff. Well, you've got to self-control. It's self-control. I told you guys about the time. I think I told you guys about the time where I was in Vegas. The one time I went through Vegas, uh, spring break, Bible college, spring break. Um, and I, yeah, I did. I shared this with you guys before, but I had to like admire the, the, the architecture structures of Vegas. Because at that time, I haven't been there in years now. But all on the ground was just like prostitution flyers and, and naked ladies on cards and stuff. It's worse now, Tony says. So I, I walked around like this because I knew, freshly saved as a Bible college student, man, if I look down, that image could plant a seed in my head and go into my heart. And I'm trying to avoid that as, as much as I can. Because I, I, know, I know who I am. I know who I am. So I'm like, whoa, well, that's a cool building. That's a cool building. And I'm praise God I didn't walk into anything or anyone or get ran over by a car. But I just remember that so vividly of like, Lord, I, man, I'm so prone to wonder. I'm so prone to, to fall into that. That used to be a major part of my life. Checking out ladies, lusting after ladies. That was a huge part of my life. I think for most guys, it probably was. And, and it's still a battle. But it's how we engage that. You know, it's, it's that self-control, but you have a new heart. You have a renewed mind, Romans chapter 12. And it's, and it's the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Like just fruit, the, one of the fruits of the spirit or the fruit of the spirit is part of that is self-control. Like, okay, Lord, help me, help me to deny my flesh, deny my flesh. But that's all part of this thing. You've been reborn. You've been made new. And, and now it's just a battle of, of just celebrating those little victories of when you say no to your flesh. And it's celebrate that. And just know that next temptation is right around the corner. So don't, don't spend too long celebrating it because, man, more arrows are coming. More arrows are coming. So be on guard. But this is true of you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been born again. You have new life through the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, it says, He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. So concerning the Spirit, God has generously poured Him out in abundance upon you. You have all that you need or could ever need. So every day, I pray for, I thank God for grace and mercy in my lives, in my life. And I also pray, Holy Spirit, please fill me today. Please fill me today. And it, and it, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. But what I want, what I need is a fresh filling each and every day. Each and every day. And God is, he's generous with it, with the Holy Spirit. He'll, he'll, he'll give you exactly what you need. Verse 7, because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Right? You can have confidence that you're going to heaven. You can have confidence that you are saved. You can have confidence in that. 
And it's found in Jesus and because of his grace. You don't have to walk around worrying about, man, am I really in or am I not? Have I done enough to get in? It's I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I, I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I'm, I'm in. I'm going. And I, I'm very confident about that. The, the older I get, the more confident I become, which is kind of ironic in one sense because the closer I grow to the Lord, the more wretched I see myself as. I'm like, oh man, I'm way more, way more messed up than what I ever thought. But I know I'm headed for heaven. I know I'm headed for heaven. So you have to have that confidence to walk through this life. You got to have it. Verse eight, the last little bit of this. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings. Insist on them. Be consistent with them. Be aggressive with these teachings in one sense. So that all who trust in God will, de- will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. So I don't care what stage of your relationship with Jesus you're at. You need to be reminded of these things. Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a seasoned vet, right? I, I know, you know, no, no. The moment you get into this, I know this already. You need to go back to number one, what humility is. And no, you need to sit down and actually dig back into these quote unquote known truths. Good works go hand in hand with sound doctrine. Doctrine is this fancy word for teaching. Okay. Good works go hand in hand with sound teaching. Good works should be a part of your life. Not to get you in, not to get you into heaven, but it's a, it's almost a, a fruit that, uh, that, that shows that I'm heaven bound. Because I was saved by Jesus, I'm going to do as much good that I possibly can here on this earth. So do good works. And it's not because like, well, if I do these good things, God will bless me. No, that's not what it's about. I do these good things because he has blessed me. Right? It's not to earn anything. It's just to display the fact that, man, the Lord's the best. He is absolutely the best. One last little warning here. Verse 9. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees. Right? Or these spiritual genealogies. You know, do you know who my, my family is, you know, in our church? No, nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's, let's just establish this right from the get-go. Um, nobody cares. You know, no, they just don't. It doesn't, I don't care who you are. Like, I'm, I'm Chuck Smith's grandson. He does have a grandson. He's a great guy. I'm not, I'm just using this as an example. But nobody cares. I'm Billy Graham's grandson. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Who are you in Christ? That's what matters. That's what matters. I could throw you out my genealogy. And as far as I know, I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of church going in that genealogy. I don't know of any pastors in that genealogy. None of that matters that much because of who I am in Christ Jesus. I love my family. I love my family history as messed up as it is and can be. It's not as bad as what some others are, but every family has their their issues. But when it becomes like, in the church world and, and people want to like brag and boast about, you know, who they are, or who they're connected to and all that. Stuff. Nobody cares. Just nobody cares. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters the most? Well, there's people that are dying and going to hell every single day. And we have the responsibility to share the gospel with them. And what's, this is what is not going to get them into heaven. How well connected you are. Nobody cares. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, that's not going to save their soul. What's going to save their soul is Jesus and the gospel. 
this was something that was going on back then, and this is why Paul addresses it, is because you would have people who are like, well, you know, I can trace my lineage all the way back to Abraham. Sweet. That doesn't do anything for me concerning heaven, though. I'm happy for you. You got a cool family tree. Bravo. Um, but that doesn't save you, nor does it save anybody else who's listening to you. So Paul's like, don't get involved in the foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or genealogies or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. He's like, we don't have time for this. Should you be circumcised? Should you not be circumcised? And all that. It, Paul's like, we don't have time for this. None of that matters. Okay? What matters is, is your heart circumcised? Has your heart been made new? These things are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing divisions among you, give them a first warning, a second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. Verse 11 talks about uh, for people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. So Paul is he's letting us know that, look, there is, there is um, let's say, there, there is a, a grounds for dismissal <laughs> within, the, within the church body. Um, uh, if somebody within the church congregation is kind of bent upon um, causing uh, division, um, you know, or just stirring up trouble, um, they should be warned. Uh, warn them once, warn them twice. They're not listening. There's a whole uh, biblical model found in Matthew chapter 18, which we've referenced before concerning uh, church discipline. Paul says to distance yourself from these people. He says, and then he, verse 11, he, he lets us know that these people have, they've turned away from the truth. They've turned their back on the truth. Uh, we're going through this in the book of Romans, Romans chapter one, where uh, individuals know God, they know of God, they see his, the evidence of God in nature, yet they suppress the truth or they hold back the truth and essentially they turn their backs on the truth and what the Lord does in those scenarios is he lets, he lets them have their will, so to speak. If it's not God's will, then he, he, will, he will give you over to, the, to your own desires. It says here in, in verse 11 that they've turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. So Paul has given us these instructions within the body. Here's how it should look church-wise. People come in, divisions and all that. They should be warned. Um, but eventually, you know, if there's apparently no change of heart or anything, then you got you to make a distinction there, a separation. And then he closes it out, this last little uh, section with the final remarks and greetings. He says, I'm planning to send either, either Artemis or Tychicus to you. As soon as one of them arrives, do your best to meet me at Nicopolis, for I've decided to stay there for the winter. Do everything you can to help Zenus the lawyer and Apollos with their trip. Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos are more than likely the guys who delivered this letter to Titus and to the church there. So he said, Paul said, hey, help them out. Help them out. See that they are given everything that they need. Verse 14, our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. So Look for needs. Look for ways to help out within the body of Christ. And if you see somebody, uh, let's say, 
uh, missionaries come in and give a mission report, just like we had Jonathan from Far Reaching Ministries. If we see that there's a need there and you're able to address the need or help out with the need, uh, you, you, have to, you need to do that. Uh, we, we should, we need to, just like Paul says here, learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. This is a great way to stay productive within the body of Christ. Let's say you're, you're just a churchgoer and you're not really doing anything. Um, you're just occupying a seat within the sanctuary because maybe you don't know what to do or have yet to learn gift or your talent or anything like that. In the meantime, you can definitely be helping out. You can help out financially those who have needs um, within the ministry. So there are plenty of ways to help out within the body. I would encourage you, just like Paul is to Titus here, uh, do not be unproductive. There's no excuse for being unproductive within the body of Christ. And you can't use an excuse of, well, I didn't know what I could do or what I couldn't do. You can help. You can help out in all kinds of ways. Financially is a, is a tremendous way to help out, uh, whether it's giving to the church or giving to a missions organization or a missionary. Plenty of ways to be productive within the body of Christ. Verse 15, he says, Everybody here sends greetings. Please give my greetings to the believers, all who love us. May God's grace be with you all. And that is uh, Paul's into his little letter of encouragement to Titus, who was a young man who was entrusted by Paul, obviously set apart and commissioned to this role by the, by the Lord Jesus, but discipled and mentored by the Apostle Paul and was left there to pastor that church. Paul wanted to make sure that he had everything he needed, Titus, in order to pastor the church and to lead that thing until it was time for Titus to hand that over to somebody else. So Paul did that. He, he equipped Titus in many ways. And one of the ways specifically was this letter, which addressed many issues that were happening within that region, but then also just in the, the difficulties of being a pastor and, and being a leader within the church. And so as applicable as that letter was to Titus, um, you know, a couple of thousand years ago, almost, uh, it's just as applicable to us today. So whether you're, uh, you know, an, an older gentleman within the church, the church still needs you. Young men in the church need you. If you're a young man within the church, the church needs you. The older men need you, right? If you're an older lady in the church, you are needed within the church. The young women need you. And and young ladies within the church, although I know I understand this is a men's Bible study, but young ladies, it's important that you go to church and that you learn from the older women and young men learn from the older men. It's a beautiful, beautiful system that God has put into place. So we need each other. We need each other for just the effectiveness of the gospel. The Lord has entrusted us with this tremendously beautiful message that when we can come together using our gifts that he has blessed us with, celebrating Jesus, um, you know, and just encouraging each other as we see the day drawing near, just building each other up, and then getting out there into the mission fields and sharing the gospel with anybody and everybody. It's a beautiful dynamic that God has, he has orchestrated and just kind of put into place.
been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you. Titus is a short book of the Bible, but it really packs a punch. Something that's pinpointed in this book is the fact that Jesus came to earth as a human. So even though he's a part of the Trinity of God, he also was God incarnate. If this type of doctrine was under question, it's no wonder why Paul wrote to Titus to confirm and reassure that this important belief shouldn't be thrown out. It's a vital thing to remember nowadays as well. Nothing in the Bible should be disregarded or thrown out. It's all important. If you value these teachings and are interested in hearing them in person, then come join us on a Sunday morning. At Calvary Galveston, our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just seek to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We would also love your prayer support for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share more thoughts with you in the coming study. Until then, stay rooted in the Word and be ready to hear more solid teachings right here on Bread for the Broken.